Today is May 6th. I'm Mike Fagelman, and welcome to the Honest Report podcast. To paraphrase from Mel Brooks, it's good to be Israel, at least these days anyway. Having succeeded in being one of the first countries in the world to inoculate most of its population, most Israelis are enjoying a semblance of a return to normal life, and new coronavirus cases and deaths have fallen dramatically. Israel is a burgeoning high-tech powerhouse with a growing and prosperous economy, and its diplomatic prospects are looking up as well, having signed new agreements in recent months with Sudan, Morocco, Bahrain, and the United Arab Emirates, to name just a few. Israel is no longer the pariah state that it's often described as being in the media. Far from it. Everyone these days wants to do business with the startup nation. While life is good in Israel, and for Israelis, that certainly doesn't mean it's perfect. And perfect it's not, of course. Israel recently held its fourth election in just about two years, and inconceivable as it may seem, may even be heading for a fifth, as Prime Minister Netanyahu was recently unable to form a coalition government. But those are the imperfections of living in a democratic society, frustrating as they may be for Israelis. However, there is a threat that Israelis continue to regularly face, which does not attract the media attention that it used to, terrorism. Just in the last week, there were two separate terror attacks targeting Israelis in Judea and Samaria, commonly called the West Bank. On Sunday, Fahima al-Haru, a 60-year-old Palestinian woman, brazenly attacked a group of Israeli soldiers at the Gush Etzion Junction with a knife before being shot in an act of self-defense. That very same day, three Israelis, all of them 19-year-old yeshiva students, were injured, two of them seriously, when someone inside a passing car opened fire at a bus stop at the Talpua Junction. A few days later, one of the young men died of his injuries. In short order, the terrorist group Hamas praised the shooting attack from the Palestinian on the three Israeli civilians with spokesperson Abud al-Latif Kanu saying, to quote, This is a legitimate branch of our Palestinian people's resistance in the West Bank, and we salute the rebellious heroes of the West Bank, end quote. The Islamic Jihad terror group also released a supportive statement, saying they, quote, praise the courageous operation, end quote. While these two terror attacks attracted wide media coverage in Israel and from the diaspora Jewish media, these attacks, and others like them, tend not to receive the same amount of airtime or ink elsewhere in the world. Now, hold on one second. A critic might argue, as the old adage goes, if it bleeds, it leads. And so, while two terror attacks in Israel, a country of only about 9 million people, is significant, if we are going to be honest or perhaps even cynical, the fact that only one person died means that it's quite simply less newsworthy. After all, a critic may argue, after 45 Israelis died in a tragic accident at Mount Veron recently, it made headlines all around the world. And while that argument makes sense, the reality is that the news media, well, certainly here in Canada, tends not to cover terror attacks in Israel even when there are fatalities. This past December, Esther Hergen, an Israeli woman in her 50s, was murdered in a terror attack and her body was found in the Rehin Forest near her home in the Shamron, or Northern West Bank. Outside of Israel and Jewish media, there was minimal attention paid. A few months prior, Rabbi Shai Ohayam, a 39-year-old from the central Israeli town of Petak Tikva, was stabbed to death at the Segula Junction train stop by Khalil Abd al-Khalik Dwight, a Palestinian from the 
the town of Nablus. Israeli media reported on the nationalistic nature of the death, a euphemism for terrorism. In short, Rabbi, Rabbi Ohayim was murdered for no other reason than he was there, and he was a Jew. And that was reason enough to sign his death warrant. And once again, outside of Israeli and Jewish media, Rabbi Ohayim's death was simply not widely reported. But even these two incidents represent a tiny percentage of the real threat of terrorism that many Israelis face daily. Even when Israelis are not killed in these attacks, they are often injured, sometimes quite grievously. That's what happened to Rabbi Howard Rotman. Rotman, who was born in Toronto, Ontario, but lived in Israel, was one of the victims of a November 2014 terror attack in the Harnof neighborhood of Jerusalem when two Palestinian cousins attacked the place of worship and killed five people in prayer, in cold blood, as well as one police officer. Rabbi Rotman was injured in the Harnoff attack but remained hospitalized for nearly a year in critical condition after having lost an eye. He was put in a, mild, in a medically induced coma and he never woke up. He died on October 25th, 2015. In other words, we cannot and we should not fall into the trap of not taking terror attacks seriously when they don't kill anyone but only cause injuries, not only because those injuries could eventually become death, but because they could mean a lifetime in a coma, or horrific injuries which victims have to live with forever. Since New Year's Day of 2021, according to our count, there have been over 30 documented terrorist attacks targeting Israelis, and that's a slow start to the year, with coronavirus restrictions having a severely limiting impact. Some of these attacks include attempted stabbings, rockets fired from Gaza into Israel, Jews pelted by stones in eastern Jerusalem, multiple car ramming attacks, firebombing attacks, and more. Those represent just a handful of the close to a thousand documented terror attacks in the last three and a half years alone, and the vast majority go unreported by mainstream Canadian and international media. So why then is it important that the Canadian media cover Palestinian terror attacks? First and foremost, whether we'd like to think so or not, the violence that plays out is an important part of the story. Those who are supportive of Israel may like to focus on Israel's many accomplishments and so be it, but that should not be at the expense of glossing over the dangerous reality still taking place. But the bigger issue is that these Palestinian terrorists, whether representing Hamas or Islamic Jihad, or acting on their own as so-called lone wolf terrorists, are in fact part of a much larger story. People don't just pick up guns or knives or decide to ram cars into innocent pedestrians for no apparent reasons. Of course, we're constantly told that the reason Palestinians commit these horrific attacks is because Israeli government policies oppose, oppress them. But that doesn't justify attacking innocent people, nor does it explain why people who suffered from objectively, objectively horrible oppression, such as Jews in the Warsaw Ghetto during World War II, never sought to encourage the murder of German civilians. Clearly then, blaming Israel for Palestinian terrorism is a non-starter. Adults are responsible for their own behavior, and to allow Palestinian terrorists to avoid ultimate responsibility for their actions represents nothing more than the soft bigotry of low expectations. Rather, the reason that these Palestinian attackers, some of whom are teenagers, decide to take up arms and attack Israeli civilians is because they have been brainwashed to do so by their leadership whether by Hamas in Gaza or the Palestinian Authority, an entire generation of Palestinians is being raised to see Israelis and Jews in general 
as nothing more than foreign occupiers and oppressors who must be eradicated from the Holy Land. When Palestinians are taught from the youngest of ages to hate their Jewish neighbors from state-sponsored television and media from the educational system and official textbooks and their elected officials, is it any surprise then when they decide to take decisions into their own hands and attempt to murder Israelis? Palestinians are being brainwashed en masse to believe that Israelis are a subhuman species who are out to murder them. That, and nothing else, is the cause of Palestinian terrorism. So when the Israeli news media reports on a car ramming, rocket fired into Israel, a stabbing attack, they're reporting on more than just an isolated incident which may or may not have claimed a life. They're covering a story which hits at the heart of the Arab-Israeli conflict, the stubborn refusal of the Palestinian leadership to accept Israel's very right to exist. Because until that stumbling block is removed, peace will continue to be elusive. And by not reporting on these Palestinian terror attacks against Israel, the Canadian media will enable and continue to enable this Palestinian rejectionism by minimizing their very murderous attacks. And our media must do better. And we must demand that they do. And that's today's edition of the Honest Report podcast. Thank you for listening. If you haven't already done so, please go to our website and subscribe at www.honestreporting.ca. Please also subscribe to our podcast on its many platforms, leave a review. And if you want to sponsor a future podcast, also please go to our website and go to the Donate Now option. Please, if you want to, send us feedback about our podcast. I can be reached at mike at honestreporting.ca. Until next week, thanks for listening.